You're listening to the Homeschooling Families Podcast by Teach Them Diligently. Welcome. Every week, we bring you simple answers to help your homeschool family thrive. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and I am so glad you're here. As our family has been getting back into the swing of school just like yours has, we've taken this week to get our big kids ready for college. Our youngest has just started her sophomore year of high school, so it's been a pretty exciting couple of weeks around here. With that said, it's clipped our recording time a little bit, so we're sharing an older episode this week that has a ton of great information in it. In today's conversation, which originally aired in July of 2020, David and I will be talking about the peace and direction that can come to your days when you focus on your calling and not just on the smaller catalysts that God puts in your path to get you here. We'll talk practically about the calling that we believe every parent has, and how current circumstances can actually be great catalysts to get God's people to focus on that calling a little bit more. What we talk about today will give you a good basis for starting homeschool for the first time or for refocusing your heart as a current homeschooler before we launch into this new school year. Today's episode is brought to you by Alpha Omega Publications. Homeschooling empowers parents to give their children an individualized education like no other educational setup can provide. With AOP, you can teach your children in the way they learn best while keeping homeschooling fun and full of excitement as you discover new things each day. Choose from multiple curriculum options to fit your child's strengths, learning styles, and needs. Plus, you'll save 30% in August. Go to AOP.com to get big savings and enjoy free shipping on all their curriculum this month. Again, go to AOP.com today to save 30% on your curriculum. This episode about Catalyst versus Calling has been a huge help to many who have listened in, and I'd love to hear from you as well. Send us a note or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts letting us know what you think of today's conversation. Then share it with as many other families as you know that could benefit from today's topic. It's our prayer that God uses this information to encourage families all around the world as they parent and homeschool their children well. Now, let's dive right into our conversation all about catalysts versus calling. There are so many people that are, you know, looking at making some pretty big life changes right now with all that's going on in the world and the school system and the new regulations that they're talking about putting into play. And more than ever before, people are truly thinking about homeschooling. They're thinking about setting up their families differently. Some of them are doing it kicking and screaming, but but I don't think it has to be that way. I, I agree. And I think that what we're going to talk about today can actually be the basis for making a big decision like that. Making sure that you have the right focus, making Mm. sure that this is something that that you really should be doing, making sure that uh, this is a calling on your life. Right. Um, And once you get beyond the initial decision, it can be a point where you can uh, uh, use it to keep yourself on track, that you have this framed correctly, that you have the right mindset when you start every single day. Right. Well, it even it's going to shift by by looking at some of the things that uh, there are people who just feel like 
decisions are being thrust upon them. They don't feel like they're actually theirs to make. And and maybe God is using that to get them to a different place in their life. But but just just a minor adjustment at the way that you look at this, at the way that you look at whether it be homeschooling or anything that's different in your life or any big decision that God calls you to make, if you look at it through the lens of what God can do with it, what God wants to do with it, it really changes. Kind of, it changes the whole reason you get up in the morning. Yeah, honestly. So, I mean, today, you know, we want to talk about catalysts or calling, and uh, we're going to look at the uh, the book of Jonah, which uh, was a story that our kids love. When our kids were young, we would always have that time where we would study the Bible right before the kids went to bed. And sometimes there was not necessarily a, an outline or a structure to it. It was just read a verse or read a chapter and then you just keep going. Or it was uh, uh, you had a specific type of curriculum, but most of the time it wasn't. Right. It was just kind of, hey, let's read this story. And when our kids were younger, uh, one of their favorite stories was Jonah and the Big Fish. And so we want to talk through that story real quick because there is one of the things that I've learned over the years and going through this story is that there's really deep truth in this story. This is not just about, you know, a big fish and Jonah, you know, and what it would be like to be in the stomach of of this big fish. It is. uh, And it's not just a children's story. Hmm. This is something that uh, has really deep truth for us today. I've preached through it twice, once in Kentucky and then once in Poland. And uh, we've taught through it many, many times. And every single time I teach through it, we learn something new. Well, and and one of the things that just to kind of throw out from a parenting standpoint is when you are going through these, what you feel like are so familiar, these familiar accounts, these familiar stories, um, don't allow them to be too familiar. Really engage with your children on what they can learn at that stage of their life. As, as they're maturing, they should be getting more out of all of these Bible stories, Bible accounts, all of these verses. They should be going deeper. And really the only way that they can do that, or not the God can overrule, but, but the best way is by you modeling it. Talk to them about what you're learning from these, these different accounts. And don't take them for granted just because... Everybody knows the story of Jonah. There's so many layers. Or whatever. Every, there's so many layers in every single yep. book of the Bible, and um, so what does uh, Jonah and the big fish have to do with homeschooling and your calling as a parent, and how are all those connected? <laughs> I mean, it just seems like that those things wouldn't be connected at all. And just to give you a little background about Jonah, Jonah was a prophet in uh, the northern kingdom of Israel during the reign of Jeroboam the second. And uh, I know some of you that aren't history buffs, your head, your eyes may be rolling back in the in the back of your head right now. But uh, I love this stuff. Well, just in case you didn't know, David was uh, working on his master's in history when we got married, so he really, truly does love this stuff. So, so back to Jonah. Jonah, um, at the time that this book was written, we're talking maybe twenty or thirty years before. The northern kingdom was conquered by the Assyrians, and the main city of the Assyrians was Nineveh. And so we uh, we all know the story well. I'm, uh, most of you do, anyways. That Jonah is uh, is instructed by God to go and preach 
repentance to the Ninevites, which was an evil people back then. I mean, they are notorious for just being horrible yeah, to the yeah. surrounding countries. If you've done Mystery of History, Volume 1, you are well <laughs> aware of the evils of the Assyrians. <laughs> and so the, uh, the, the Israelites, so this was like the peak of the Assyrian Empire. Mm. They were very strong at this point, and they had actually already invaded Damascus and killed the king of Damascus. They had already tried to invade Judah and the southern kingdom. They had been into the northern kingdom. And so these were like mortal enemies of the northern kingdom. And Jonah is a prophet in the court of King Jeroboam II. And God comes to him and says, I want you to go to your enemies that are these horrible, evil people that deserve my judgment. And I want you to preach repentance to them. If Jonah had done this, and he does do it, but it would to, asking Jonah to do this, it would have looked like he was a traitor to Jeroboam II and the other people that were there in the the, uh, the palace. I mean, it, he would have been seen as his traitor if they knew what he was doing. So it's not surprising that he was hesitant to do this. But this calling that Jonah was asked to do by God, it really reveals something to you about God's character. And that's one thing to remember about a calling. When you have a calling on your life, it will always, always reveal what, you know, something about God. It will reveal something about his character. And that is actually drawn out as you get further and further into this book. But that doesn't matter to Jonah at this time. Right. He's being asked to go to the their enemies and preach repentance. And, and his view was as limited as ours is usually when God gives us something to do that we don't necessarily like the idea. That, yes. And so he, when he is instructed by God to do this, he flees. And he goes from Samaria to Joppa, which is about 30 to 40 miles away. And so when you think about that, we like to hike. And we usually get through about three miles in a day when we hike. So to think about somebody going 30 or 40 miles, that's a long ways. Yeah. And so he took off from and Samaria. And the train wasn't flat. No, exactly. He takes off. Train. He goes from, from Samaria down to Joppa. So he's going down to the sea. He gets on a boat that is headed towards Tarshish, which is actually, according to some scholars, is on the coast of Spain. So he's going in the exact opposite direction. And, and we're not just talking about turn the opposite direction. We're talking about going as far away as you possibly can in the modern known world back then, going as far away as you can from where God wanted him to go. And so he gets on this boat, and we all know the story. He gets on the boat, he goes down into the bottom of the boat, he goes to sleep, and while they are sailing, a storm crops up, and it doesn't wake up Jonah. And apparently this storm was really rough because the captain and the crew, who were merchants, by the way, had already thrown everything overboard in hopes to keep the boat from capsizing or sinking in the storm. So the storm was huge, and these um, these sailors and the captain were terrified, and they come down to the bottom of the ship, the captain does, and wakes up Jonah, who it's amazing that he hadn't woken up in that kind of a storm. And the captain must have known that this wasn't a normal kind of storm. Yeah. And Jonah's sleep here kind of reminds me of this medicated sleep. It's not like a peaceful sleep like you may hear and you hear about David talking about in Psalms 4. Uh, it is like 
you know, a medicated type sleep because the storm's not waking him up. Yep. And so he is woken up. They cast lots. The lots fall on Jonah. Jonah says, throw me overboard. And as soon as they throw him overboard, the storm stops. And we enter, you know, the big, the big fish comes into the picture. And Jonah, he sinks down. He would have been drowned if the, uh, the big fish didn't come and get him. Right. And he is swallowed. So how miraculous, how loving, how merciful. And so while he's in the big fish, he prays a prayer of repentance Mm -hmm. and he says, I will go back. I will do what you asked me to do. I will uh, uh, present my vow of thanksgiving is what he says. And the uh, big fish vomits him up, which is a pretty picture. And Jonah, and then God comes back to Jonah a second time and says, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to preach repentance. And Jonah goes and he goes and he, he preaches repentance and the, he actually gets to the king, which again, if he hadn't been a prophet in the court of Jeremiah the second, he probably wouldn't have got in to see the king of Nineveh. Uh, and he, uh, uh, preaches repentance to the king. They repent. And then Jonah goes up on this hill and he's sitting there waiting for God to strike the Ninevites. And he doesn't. And they repent and God has mercy on them. And as we know, the story, Jonah's not real happy and uh, the book ends. Yep. Right. And so that's kind of a brief summary of um, the story of Jonah. But what does that have to do with where we are today? Because I know everybody's sitting there asking. <laughs> so, well, I'll tell you. Oh, thank you. So uh, Jonah was given this calling. And the calling, again, presents something about the character of God. And we know that God is merciful. We know that he loves us, that he's full of grace, even for people like the Ninevites that are as ugly and horrible as they are. He still had mercy on them when they repented. He heard their prayers of repentance and he spared them. Mm. And so that gives you an idea of who this God is, right? He is a good God that loves first. He leans towards forgiveness. He has grace and mercy. And so you're getting an idea of what the character of God is. And sometimes he stretches us to show the same love and mercy to people that we strongly disagree with or do not like. That's right. And that's, I guess, another side lesson. And your calling doesn't always have to be something that you are just ready to jump on. Gung-ho, yeah. Gung-ho to do. And we see that in Jonah. Jonah turns and he runs in the opposite direction and goes as far away as he possibly can. He ends up on this stormy sea and he ends up getting thrown overboard. And his big fish comes along and it ends up swallowing him. So the first lesson there is, is that uh, you can't get away from your calling. God is going to come and get you. If you have a calling on your life, he wants to reveal something about himself. You cannot get away from it. It doesn't matter whether you run all the way to the other end of the world. You are going to have to uh, address that calling that God has given you. You can't get away from it. And as long as you run, it's things are going to get really stormy for yeah, you. Really rough. And sometimes he sends along a big fish, which that's going to be one of these catalysts. 
And I actually associate the big fish with being a catalyst. Now, let's say let's let's look at this in the view of being a homeschooler. Well, well, let's define some terms first. Cause, okay. Because you're talking about catalyst versus calling. So, what's the difference between those two? Just before we dive into what they so look let's like. let's look at let's look at the big fish. The big fish actually brings Jonah back to what his ultimate calling was. The, the calling that God originally had for him. He got, his attention. Fish, he got his, his attention. He got his attention. You had the storm. You had the captain. You had the big fish. And the catalyst, we can associate that with the big fish. And so let's take that and frame it in the terms of homeschooling. It could be a bully. It can be a horrible teacher. It can be that your child is failing grades and you don't know what else to do. It could be a pandemic. I was going to say, it, it could be, be that everything's going to be really weird next it year. It might be. It could be actually homeschooling because your ultimate calling when you're talking about your kids, it's not your call to be a homeschooler, is that you are called to disciple your kids. As soon as your child was brought into your life, your calling was to bring them to Jesus Christ. And to teach them diligently. Most definitely. And so homeschooling is a tool for that. Mm -hmm. And so even homeschooling could be the catalyst or can be the big fish in this scenario. To get you to focus on your ultimate calling, which is to parent and disciple your children, to bring them to Jesus, to give them a foundation on which to build their faith. Homeschooling is a fantastic tool for that and a fantastic catalyst to get you really, really keyed in on what this huge, amazing privileged call that God has put on your life. And so when we start thinking about big life decisions, I mean, let's face it, homeschooling is a really big life decision, but let's, let's also spread this out. Uh, husbands taking on new jobs, selling your house and moving to a new state, uh, all kinds of different aspects that are big life changes, leaving your church. You need to consider those in light of what your calling is and not a catalyst, right? Yeah. Because the problem with the catalyst is that even though it might be a good thing, let's imagine, for instance, that Jonah, when he goes into Nineveh and they say, why did you come here? And his response to them was not, God sent me to tell you guys to repent. His response was, this big fish brought me. Probably what it would have happened in that scenario is that rather than Nineveh repenting and God being glorified because of his mercy and his goodness and, and his grace, they would have built a statue to a big fish. Yeah. Well, and so many in, you know, kind of for this very present day conversation that we have, so many build their statues to homeschooling and and they just miss the boat. Homeschooling, like we said a minute ago was a great or is a great tremendous tool to reach the heart of your children because it affords you time. It affords you conversations that you aren't able to have otherwise. It affords you um, an intentionality that you may not have otherwise. It is a fantastic tool. But when we elevate it to the point of an, an idol, to really elevate it outside of the realm of where God has it placed, it is a tool. It's a catalyst to get you focused on your calling and to equip you for your calling. Yeah, so we so lose any, our way that way. So any catalyst can become an idol. And yeah. the big fish in this story was not like this evil character. You know, it doesn't talk about him having fangs and being really <laughs> nasty and mean. And he didn't he, chew him up. He didn't chew him up. <laughs> it the big fish wasn't this bad thing, but it can become an idol. Yeah. A, a catalyst can always become an idol. 
And there are so many parents when we come to when when we get to our events. There are so many parents that come to our events that are tired. They're run down. They don't know what they're going to do. They're scared to death. They're doubting themselves. They're wondering. They're asking the "Am I enough?" question. The "enough" question. They're brittle. They're brittle. They are having a really hard time, and they're looking for a brand new curriculum, or they're looking for a brand new planner, or they're looking for some sort of piece of wisdom that will somehow open up, you know, a whole new world for them. And a lot of times I'll have those parents, they'll come to me. I remember that there was one mom that we had actually given a free ticket to because her husband worked in the VIP area of the Gaylord Opryland. And he goes, I, we just started homeschooling and man, my, my wife's really having a hard time. And I said, well, you need to have her come. And I was standing in the exhibit hall. And this woman comes walking up to me. She has tears in her eyes. And somehow I knew that she was tied back to that man that I had talked to at the VIP. And she goes, this was amazing. And she started talking about how the conference had refocused her on discipleship. Mm. And it had completely changed everything about what she was doing. And there's so many families out there, so many moms out there that as soon as you say, look, remember what you're doing is about your calling. It's about discipling your kids. It's not about making sure that you get through the to-do list on the planner. It's not about checking boxes. It's not about getting through every single chapter that Mm. is in your science book. It's not about getting through all of those different elements that the, you know, the, 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 curriculum has told you to do it's about discipling your your kids and as soon as they realize that it seems to take all the pressure off Hmm. Hmm. and so the reason why that is is because when you look at the way the bible describes idolatry and you have let's look at uh, and i really challenge everybody to read this psalms 115 And when you read that in the description of an idol in Psalms 115, what you learn is is that an idol is made by hands. It looks human, but it's not. It has a mouth but cannot speak. It has a nose but cannot uh, smell. It has ears, but it cannot hear. And so it appears to be human. It appears to have life, but it doesn't. And then it goes on to say, that those who make them become like them. And what it's saying there is that when you have an idol in your life, it actually sucks the life out of you. And that's what idols do. They suck the life out of you. So what it does is, is that when I say life, it sucks all the joy out of of you. It, It sucks all the gratitude out of you. It sucks all the contentment out of you. It, it, you, it, it no longer, you no longer have a fo- the right kind of focus, the things that are life giving that actually bear, you know, abundance right. and multiply in you and bring joy and a smile across your face and a sense of accomplishment. It sucks all that stuff away from you and it replaces with things like envy, where you no longer are talking about how wonderful life you have and how great things you have. You're thinking about how good somebody else has it right. and you want what they have. And, you want to look like and you them, want to look so, like them. Yeah. It takes all that away from you. And so a catalyst can become 
an idol. And it does many times for homeschoolers. Well, and yeah. it does for many times for a dad, right? A dad may start thinking about the new job, may think about the, all the money that they, they're not earning. They may think about another life. You have a mom that is thinking, oh man, I'm stuck here all day with the kids. And she wants, she can't wait until the children get out so that she can go and have her own job. And, and she has no contentment. Mm-hmm. Is my point. She has no contentment. It takes it away from her. When that starts to happen, start looking for an idol. I think Elise Fitzpatrick said one time in her book, Idol, uh, Idols of the Heart, she says that your heart is a factory for idols. Yeah. And so it's something that is very easy to create. It's something really easy to rise up inside of you. And many times things that are good but are not the best will become an idol. Yeah, yeah. I mean, anytime that we focus on lesser things, yeah, we are lesser lights. Lesser lights. We are so prone to stumbling. We are so prone to take our eyes off of what's really, really big, and that impacts every decision. As a homeschool mom, that'll impact every decision that you make throughout your day. Because if you're focused on lesser things, you're going to miss the opportunities that God lays out for you to do legacy kingdom building work, which brings joy, brings contentment, changes the entire trajectory of your day. And I will tell you, lest we are misunderstood in any way when we we talk about homeschooling and discipleship, as you focus on your calling to disciple your children, the academics and every other area are going to be improved because it that that focus on strengthening the character and the the discipline and all of these great things in your children focusing them on loving god and loving people that makes them do better in every way and you will model that in every way i actually talk about that in the heart school course that's coming out and this is this this particular podcast is very much tied to the heart school course that is going to be coming out here in the next week or so, maybe two weeks. Right. Uh, and and it, that is a big focus of that is reaching the heart of your kids and also talking about the calling that you have as a parent. And how and, that impacts everything and changes the world for you. Absolutely. And so when you are, your calling is it, when you're trying to determine whether or not you should homeschool, when you're trying to determine where you should live, when you're trying to determine different aspects of your life and being a parent, you have to do it in light of what your calling is. Because anything short of that, you're risking uh, creating an idol in your life. And things are going to fall off the tracks really fast when you do that. And when you, let's, let's circle back. Your calling is to disciple your kids. Your calling is to bring your kids to Jesus Christ. You are not called to save your kids. You cannot bring your kids into heaven. Only Jesus Christ can forgive their sins. Only Jesus Christ offers salvation and redemption. But it is your job to bring them and literally set them at the feet of Jesus Christ and let Jesus Christ do what Jesus Christ does. And you soak them in the gospel. You soak them in the in the the word of God. You teach them Bible verses. You, you model. You, you model it. You yep. do things in light of what your calling is. Now, in order to do your calling, you have to be present in the life of your child. Yes. And we have talked often about the average parent only spends thirty four minutes a day with their children. 
just because whether you homeschool or not, it doesn't mean that you're fulfilling what your calling is. Yeah. But in order to fulfill your calling, you have to be present with your kids. And we are huge advocates of homeschooling because it allows you to be present with your kids. There's so many more things that open up with your kids if you are present in their life. If you're spending time with them, if you're able to speak into their life, if you're able to be relevant to what's going on in their life, if you are the one that is there. Otherwise, someone else is speaking into their life. And the calling yep. to disciple your kids is on you and you alone. That's the reason why you're their parent. That's the reason why God put them in your life. It is yours. That doesn't mean that other people can't have some level of influence with your kids. That's not what that means. But it means that you are the one that is to disciple your child. And so um, that is what you need to make decisions regarding homeschooling, regarding jobs, regarding anything else. That's what your decision, what your decisions should be based off of. And then just one last thing. I get asked personally from fathers what their role in homeschooling is because their view is is that they hand the child over to their mom and the mom is the one that's doing all the teaching and they kind of get lost. They're like, okay, what do I do? I don't know what to do. I've even talked to some of the speakers before at our conferences, some of the big speakers, and they're like, they're asking me questions like this. And, you know, part of being the leader in the home is setting the vision for the home vision is a big part of leadership. And this is the area where the men can really make a difference is that, look, things are going to enter into your home and enter into the mind of your wife and into the mind of your kids and just kind of flood in in some way, just because we are human and we are who we are, we're fallen. There's going to be things that are going to enter into your homeschool and enter into your life that is going to draw you kind of off. Mm -hmm. And the father, in terms of leadership, I would say his main job is actually making sure that all this stays on track. Yeah, yeah. And lining things up with the ultimate goal, the ultimate and, call for your and family. And asking that question. So when you, know, you get, get home at night and you're talking to your wife about everything that happened during the day, just asking the question. You know, how did you handle that? Or how does this line up with our, with our calling? Or how did, you know, just... Not in a accusatory way, obviously, but keeping things on track, being a part of it in that way and laying down the vision and talking through all that with your wife, that is massive. Yeah. Just that alone. You don't have to teach math, although some do. You don't have to teach English. And this you is don't the dad. As, yeah. a, as a homeschooler, you do have to teach these things. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to take on a class in order as the dad right. or the husband or the secondary, right? Uh, you don't have to be involved in the homeschooling in terms of teaching a class in order to actually be involved. Some cases, it's just helping to keep things on track. Right, right. And let me let me just say before we close out today, as a, I get asked a lot by moms about questions that would indicate that there is a lack of joy, there is a lack of purpose, there is a lack of vision in their life. And I just want to encourage you when you get, when you can wrap your arms and your heart around what God has called you to do, what you were born to do, to teach your children diligently, to shepherd their hearts and point them to Jesus. And when you start making your decisions throughout your day 
based on that calling, the clarity that it will bring to your days, the um, contentment, the joy, the peace that God will give you through that because you are lining things up with his will. Now, that doesn't mean every day is going to go smoothly, but that's because as we as we grow and change, we stumble just like we do our kids will. We're, and we have a front row seat to see them grow, but we also have a front row seat to see them stumble. But as you keep everything in light of your calling and you line it all up together under that, your days will be so much more peaceful, so much more meaningful, and you will get to the end of them and look back and see God, see how God has worked. He will take all of these threads and weave a beautiful tapestry um, by your simple steps of obedience day in and day out, lining up your life with your calling, using whatever catalyst he brings into your path in order to do that. So just take heart, take heart and be encouraged. I think that's great. I, I, and I think that um, uh, this is something that is easy to mess up, and it's something that needs constant adjustment. You will constantly get a little bit too focused on the catalyst, a little bit too focused on things that are lesser lights, yeah. and you constantly need that adjustment. And that adjustment can be a good church. It can be great conversations with you know your husband or wife. It, it can be other homeschoolers. And you just, you constantly, it could be your devotions in the morning. Right. You constantly need that adjustment. But when you start feeling dry and you start feeling like you're lifeless and you start feeling like you have no more joy, you should get real suspicious that there might be an idol there. Yep. And you need to really seek that out and you need to do everything you can to take whatever that might be, that catalyst, it could be a good thing, it could be a really horrible thing, but put it back where it needs to be. Right. Put it in put it in line under your calling and focus on that, laying every day at the feet of Jesus and trusting that He will lead you um, step by step as you follow Him. Yep. All right. So we hope that uh, you have a great afternoon and we will talk to you next time. joining us today. We believe that every family is called to teach them diligently. So we're here to help. We would love to get to know you this year at one of our four live Teach Them Diligently events. And then throughout the year, when you become part of the Teach Them Diligently 365 community, check out the notes from today's show for more details about what we discussed today, as well as all of these other resources that Teach Them Diligently has to offer. Have a wonderful day, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon.